So if there's photogenic like people that implies like we see things in photos sort of. So if we see things in photos, do you not see things in green and red? Like how does that work if you're if your eyes were cameras? I'm extremely confused. Um <laughs> photosynthesis is a a way that plants make food. Is that the answer you're looking for? They're green. Are they? Can you see that color? Is that real? Are you sure it's so not it's, blue? So it's chlorophyll. I mean, what I see, I perceive to be green. <laughs> I, I think. There are some very pretty greens, like striking scorpions. They are a green. Yeah, you're right. That is a green that exists. If you choose to paint them that way. But was that a color line they used to have back in the day? Was striking scorpion a color? Yeah, striking scorpion green. It was, right? Okay, I remember owning that. Yeah, it was yeah, an okay it, paint. It yeah. was, uh, did not cover very well. There I mean, are lots of better paints these days. Like GW paints in general, you know, like when I was younger, were were hit or miss. And the newer ones are fine. I think they've really refined a lot of their their chemicals. Yeah, I still... I think my the, the paint that I miss the most from the early years is Enchanted Blue. It's such a good blue. Do you feel like a, sad it doesn't exist? You feel like a lot of those names are gone because they can't like get an IP on that name. Like Enchanted Blue isn't like yes and anything? no. So they used to use a different manufacturer, which is a uh, Cota de Arms. I think still produces all of the same paints. They still mm-hmm. they were the old manufacturer for them, and they changed either different manufacturers or they started doing it in house. Um, I think they started doing they changed the manufacturer. Uh, and then the second time, the next time the, the GW paints changed when they started going into foundation paints and stuff, they, uh, they started making paints in house. So, um, right. And yeah. because they were all, all in on the hobby now. Yeah. And I believe around the time that they had to start changing paint lines, they, they started losing all of their court cases for Eldar and they, they couldn't like copyright space marine and all that kind of stuff so then they're like here's a primaris marine and aildaris and Drukaris and imperialis <laughs> sanctimus you know <laughs> yeah yeah you're right that is that is these the thing. words aren't real we can copyright them it's, yes it's, it's funny that like it's funny we're looking at all the nostalgia because a lot of my other friends who play 40k have been watching all the second edition battle reports so uh-huh. it's only a matter of time until we go like, hey, remember Kill Team 2018 and try to go back to playing that situation? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know some people loved it and I, I, I enjoyed a lot of it. I had a good time. Um, but I don't know. I think we're in like the golden era of Kill Team, of skirmish games in general. I definitely agree. I think that having support from the manufacturer and the company of the game is always going to be better than a forgotten dead redheaded stepchild. (laughs) Because that's what 2018 Kill Team was. They're like, hey, here's one. Hey, six months later, here's a book. Six months later, here's a book. And then a year later, here's a book. And then they're like, now this event, this one is dead. Uh, Here's the new one that we will. Since everyone was clamoring for more Kill Team, you know, like I I feel like when it first dropped, they were like, holy shit. Our box sold out. People like this game. And then 
I mean, the same thing happened with crit ops, right? They're like, they're like, yeah, there should be enough cards. Oh, oh no, <laughs> like oh, and they still haven't restocked them. I mean, I mean, I think I think that's just telling us that something else is coming out. Like, you know, if if a new season's going to come, they're like, there's no well, reason to get the crit ops, right? Because they'll I sub could, something new. I could 100% see uh, next season them having a new type of crit ops. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. yeah. I yeah, could yeah, totally Because there's no way we're going to have. Because I uh, mean, you know, if, if it's anymore. jungle, if it's jungle <laughs> is like, is it going to actually going to be, um, is it actually going or, or how Valrex says it's uh, into the skies or other people have said it's uh, it's uh, the, the floor is lava. We, in fact, at the AVTT, so we're, we're recording this right after the AVTT. We, we attempted our own uh, rendition of a bunch of gantries. I saw uh, it. It looked cool. Tables. Yeah, it was fun. It didn't function very well. So no, I don't imagine Games Workshop it did. thought through it a lot more than <laughs> a, than we did with our twenty minutes. That was that was the, yeah. That was the first draft. <laughs> An hour, two hours. Yeah, and we you know you guys went with it. Like whatever, we could we could do better in the future. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, we definitely took a lot of uh, feedback um, from that, and I think that we'll make a really good narrative map for LVO. So our narrative event is going to be popping because there's not going to be any competitive terrain other than maybe an Into the Dark set Dang, that goes be, into space. We're going to be popping off here, just like we're popping off on the Squad Games podcast, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I'm Giacomo. He's Dakota. All right, that's formalities. It's just us two today. So uh, let's crack into some more things we're talking about. You know, terrain is cool. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, Giacomo, uh-huh. is we've taken like, what, a three-week break from two-week break, a three-week break from recording? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and just coming right back. We had to take a, recorded a bunch of episodes and then all heads down for AVTT, uh, which was a blast. It was an absolute amazing time. I hear it was a smash hit, but I was, yeah. uh, you know, I was unfortunately, um, the co, the co was like, hey, you got to stay home. So... That happened, you know, that yeah. recovered. It happened, but it was there. I was so sad. I got to see everybody like posting pictures and playing one of the homies out there. He was uh, he was keeping it together and showing me stuff. So I, you know, didn't go totally crazy. But uh, absolutely. I- um, yeah, it was, you know, we had a lot of plans to have the stream there and we were waiting every day to see if the COVID would leave. And uh, it never did. So we had to cancel the stream, unfortunately. Yes. Um, I didn't but, recover until the Saturday night. Yes. But that's okay. Uh, next year will be bigger and better. And we'll, we'll still stream at future events. Of course. So, so un- unfortunately, we didn't get to see the amazing. There was two great games that I saw. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great games, right? But like Alex Squires and Chris Bakke had a really great game. Um, uh, that was down to the wire. Last activation sealed the deal. And then um, there was another one between, and Chris Bakke and, and um, Orion Wolfong also had a rematch. So that was very exciting to see. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, listening to this podcast, uh, Orion took first place at LVO this year, one of the largest American tournaments. Uh, and so he came all the way from Baltimore to come and play. And then we also had Six Sided Legion come all the way from uh, Wisconsin to come and play. And we had a lot of people. We had 54 players. So or it was 
53 and then our homie Andrew from work uh he showed up Saturday to shore up the team of two and make them a team of three so we had a full 18 teams of three so it was a great time great time yeah uh, and you'll get to find more out more about that in the future episode coming up because today we got a different thing planned for you uh, a little drum roll surprise Woo! <laughs> you want to tell them what it is yeah we're going to talk about vet guard yeah <laughs> because editing editing a lot of um a lot of stuff we have takes time and Correct. uh you know we got and we the, still got to we still got to interview more people to exactly, bring something so. special <laughs> so uh we'll have that for you guys coming up in the future but today we do have vet guard because we wanted to talk about you know do something a little bit we've done before where we go really in depth with the team uh, especially because VetGuard, I feel like they're going to, you know, have a renaissance again, you know, coming mm-hmm. back. Uh, and what better person than to have Dakota, a man who's been playing them since the beginning, to walk us through that. Uh, and I would, the, the times, the many times I've played with him, would say he is a wonderful player, a master of this team. He knows them so well. And I trust all his opinions when it comes to playing this team. Uh, the other thing that I would like to say is that if anyone is having any questions or, or anything, this will hopefully be a very good guide for either learning how to play against the team or learning to play the team uh, vet guard, which is is and should be uh, strike the, the fear into the hearts of many because in the right hands, currently, uh, this team can be devastating against any faction that currently exists, whether it's in the open, um, on Into the Dark, or anything that Games Workshop releases in the future. Uh, it seems as if Games Workshop does not want to nerf this this beautiful baby of theirs, and I am all right with that. It, it might just be the perf- the most perfectly balanced team in the whole game. Outside of the demo mine, but yes. No cap. For real, for real. <laughs> for real, for real. Uh, but before got we got... Uh, before <laughs> I've got that dog in me, right? That dog in me was sick this weekend. <laughs> uh, but before we get into all of that, um, let's go ahead and do some shout-outs to our sponsors and affiliates. Woo! So I'd like to thank... Which we got more recently, which more is exciting. Recently. Yes. Other than just FLG, you know, we ended up getting a brand new affiliate. G, do you want to? I met them at Nova and uh, amazing people, amazing products. Do you want to say who that that um, that person is? Yes, yes. I'd like to shout out Goblins Hut. You might know them from their sets of paintbrushes that they make, or the wonderful dirty down stuff that they make to really bring a lot of your terrain, your models to life, and add that extra edge. So if you're looking to step up your miniature range, your miniature game, your hobby tracks, you know? You don't join a hobby track, you want to give that up? I'd suggest going onto their website, exploring what they have, and picking some up. And while you're there, at checkout, you can enter the code SQUAD10, that's S-Q-U-A-D-1-0, SQUAD10 at checkout. And that helps uh, a little bit come back to us, and it costs no extra to you guys, and you're supporting the podcast, you're supporting us, providing events for you in the future as well, which we really appreciate. And if not, you just want to buy some stuff there, they got some cool stuff regardless. Go ahead and check them out. Again, that is Goblin's Hut. We will have the description in the show notes. 
or the the link to the website in the show notes. Yeah, they have magic in a bottle, and that is their rust colors. All all of their technical paints are amazing. And if you haven't already seen Dakota's terrain, his Into the Dark set, he used a lot of dirty down in there, and man, it feels rusted. Yeah, if you feel like you're gonna you're gonna get tetanus if you touch it. It's it, it really does feel like that. It looks cool. Um, definitely check it out. It's wonderful. And then we'd also like to shout out Game Envy. Game Envy sponsored us this last weekend, helped us out a lot when it came to the AVTT. Dakota, you want to give us a little more information on them? Yeah, they uh, Game Envy, we're going to have an interview with their founder and uh, lead product designer, Kit. And they he is an awesome guy. also met him at, uh, at Nova. And he was a... Uh, a charm to talk to. And we're going to have him on the podcast here in the future as well, because they have something very exciting to announce um, that I am going to be purchasing one for my wife. But outside of that, they sent us six brush sets. They sent us um, a bunch of hand holders and uh, like for your miniatures to hold them and some replacements for that. And uh, we couldn't have done all the hobby stuff that we did without them. I'd also love to sh- shout out games at my place, Woo! which is where, where we hosted the tournament. Um, they were absolutely amazing as always. Um, they used to be called gameology in any of our, any of our past, um, but they recently changed ownership for the better. Um, uh, the current ownerships are very happy. Uh, it's the same leadership that was there, but um, they just changed names and uh, they provided us with a ton of uh, a metric ton of um, monument hobby paints. Uh, actually, ninety six bottles for the <laughs> hobby, for all of our hobby stuff there. At, at and we were able to give out a bunch of paint to every single player who won, which we will get more into later. But those between Game Envy, Goblin's Hut, um, and Monument Hobbies. I mean, we got their paint and uh, games at my place. It was an absolutely stellar event. And also, we can't ever forget FLG. They run some of the biggest events in the entire U.S. outside of the biggest team tournament in the U.S., at least possibly in the world. (laughs) Uh, I think that we own that right for Kill Team. So if you guys are looking to come to the best Kill Team team tournament on this planet... You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have to plan for next year because it's gonna be big, it's gonna be wild, it's gonna be amazing. Um, That's SoCal, California, everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be good. All right, and then the last people I'd like to to mention and shout out is our wonderful patrons on Patreon. They help us do what we're doing here. You know, put the time in, and we really appreciate you guys. And thank you so much. Yeah, without them, uh, you know, uh, we would be broke. <laughs> don't worry all of this goes back to uh to to the hobbyists to the players out there it does. helps us helps us keep doing this stuff for you guys and we run events it. and run events the big yeah. ones so yeah. that we can keep doing this um and with that out of the way let's get into it Whew, man so, gee what do you want to know man i want to know a lot because okay. i always enjoy the concept of humans overcoming incredible odds and vet guard if is is exactly that 
Mm-hmm. Sure, you could argue Caster Kin are the same. Nah, they're specialists. Vetguard are veterans. They weren't trained with anything special. They learned on the front lines. This is the one of the teams from the very beginning starting box. I know a lot of people were probably buying orcs in the last few months, but maybe it's time for those people to start buying Vetguard as well. Because what if it's not a pretty good counter against orcs? Uh, Vetguard, they are not bad into their the orc menace. Which is perfect. Two two wonderful teams get to play against each other, and um, kind of like like it was back in the day. Everyone thought the orcs were the the box that have to have, and then turned out people figured out how to play Vetguard, and that was the team that was winning. Yeah, Vetguard ended up winning the first LVO of 2020 after it was released by Ace. Um, really good team, and guess what? They've never been nerfed. Um, now <laughs> while while other teams have been announced and have come out and are viably good, um, this team has never seen a nerf. Uh, in fact, I definitely think they deserve one specific nerf, which we will get into because it is a mechanic that you can abuse to win games. Yes. And it is not a feels good mechanic, but it is a mechanic that this team has and it should be abused just like until pathfinders get a rework uh you can also turn one if you can do it correctly turn one alpha strike 26 inch or 20 whatever inch threat range on them as well so which which will you know i love to hear it and i want the players to know it so um the boogeyman can get a get a slight slap on the wrist so Dakota, you've been playing Vetguard since the start, but how has the team changed from when they were first introduced to where they are now? So when they were first introduced, a lot of people overlooked them because they thought the orcs were better. And objectively, uh, with one little buff, they became better. But I think that's meta-dependent. Um, they rose up and won LVO the first time. Uh, in 2020 with Ace from Spain. Came over here to American soil and beat us. Dang. Good job. Yeah, very, very exciting. Um, it really was good because it was a little catalyst to really help the players out here really start to take it seriously, right? Um, the competitive meta, the competitive scene was not super big, but to have people come over here that are not in our same country, um, a really lit a fire under a lot of people's butts and in a good way, you know, like we love Spain, we love their players and uh, we love ACE and everyone else. And it really was like the catalyst that started this drive, especially me as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So like from their, from their first inception, winning the very first LVO, they really fell off because pathfinders did what they did, but better objectively um now while vetguard can beat pathfinders they are a decent match into pathfinders especially with all the pathfinders nerfs they are still they still you know pathfinders were just more reliable and with more and more mech teams coming out pathfinders could just do what they wanted better and then into the dark came out and it was really hard to figure out what this team could do with into the dark especially with the horrible maps that into the dark came out with in the first time and they're, they're, they're awful, objectively awful um, missions for Into the Dark. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was, it was literally impossible to run a mixed event because of how low scoring the, the, the Into the Dark was, right? 
And that was before the crit ops, right? Is what you're referring before, to? Before crit ops, yeah. Okay. And then crit ops came out, sold out of cards. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> it's like they don't <laughs> even want to use it. Um, and then they retroactively also did a crit ops card pack for um, Into the Dark as well. Now, those were much better. They used Crit Ops. Crit Ops was a... Objectively, it's a better mission pack than what it used to be. It really evened out or also objectively made a lot of archetypes overpowered because they just rewarded you for playing the game rather than rewarded you for strategy. But um, security became probably one of the harder subsects to score. Now it is reliable when you have to, when you come in with a game plan, but I feel like when crit ops came out, vet guard took a big hit because security, especially with a lot of other tournaments doing the the secondaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is not particularly great. Um, but when now all the games workshop tournaments and other tournaments are doing strength of schedule, which don't get me started on that. Um, we'll talk about it during the AVTT because in in fact, if I did strength of schedule, all of the listings would have been different. Every single placement <laughs> would have been different. It would have been absolutely insane and it uh-huh. would have made so many people upset. So I'm glad I didn't. Um, yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So security. Security. Um, I feel like really started a downward trend. Of Vetguard and people stopped playing the team except for Poland. Poland, and I'm not really sure if they're super popular in Spain. Um, but outside of Poland, they really fell off. Me, I just never, pay, I never painted another team, so I just kept playing <laughs> my my team. Um, and like how I how how I first got started in the Guardsmen, I'll get back to security in a second. Uh-huh. Was I played Craftworld because Eldar is and always was my first love, right? Uh, I saw them when I was 12 years old, 14 years old, and uh, 12 years old. Was it 12 or was I 10? I think I was 10. Uh-huh. Yeah, the year 2000. I was 10 years old. Um, and wow, that's so long ago. Yeah. Oh my God. I saw these Eldar metal blister packs, saw the Avatar. I really liked Terminators and I really liked the Eldar aesthetic and I ended up going with uh, with Eldar. And got to know their lore and all that kind of stuff. So I, in this edition, I started playing Craftworld before the edition was good, be- before they got the buff and made them okay. And I had a horrible time because they were awful. <laughs> they didn't play like old kill team. I took the platform that you're not supposed to do. And it was, <laughs> it was just not a fun time. Um, I also played them only at a tournament, only having like no sleep in 56 hours because I was trying to make stuff to sell. and. Uh, yeah, it was not particularly great. Um, and then I came home and I was like, man, I kind of want to quit kill team, right? Like it's sometimes when new players are playing this game, the very, the very first few games they play of this edition can be frustrating because it is different than every other games workshop game other than Warcry. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. And I understand that it can be frustrating, uh, especially with the team that is bad. Right. (laughs) That's why, you know, I suggest people play a bespoke team that has a better chance of winning rather than like compendium space Marines. 
Um, sorry, Andrew. Um, get the intercessions, Andrew. Buy the intercessions. I am in. I am Andrew. <laughs> They're not expensive. You already have to split the box with your friend. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was there. There was a lot of fun stuff with that in particularly. Right. So, I came home. I bought a bunch of models from um, HardcoreMiniatures.com. Woo that were all action hero based. Right. And I already had some catachans like, uh, from a uh, like, ghost, right? Yeah, you I have those two. Yeah. I have Gaunt's ghosts and I had, um, the catachan special edition. So I had, uh, the, Oh, the Charger Ripper Ripper Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, uh, this, the limited edition power fist guy who is essentially just Dylan from the predator. <laughs> um, Carl Weathers. And, uh, with the binoculars and I think that's about it that they released for, uh, for Catachan. And I, so I wanted to go with the Catachan list. I was listening to Tanith first and only at the time. So I painted them like, so I started painting them up like Tanith and then I took them to LVO. Little did I know they were very, very good. You know, um, I just was like, you know, I'm just going to go and have fun and just play narratively. And in the end I wound up ended up winning my pod went three and oh day one. And I was like, Oh, that's way different than going uh one and four. You know, <laughs> that was, oh, I kind of like this game now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then I, I, because I, I gave the game another chance and, um, ended up liking it a lot. So at LVO, I obviously, I think I was running hot shots every single game. I was running like only, I was running no, no grenades. I still got 16th place out of what I think there was like 38 players. So it was not like, I obviously was not running them to the best of their ability, but (laughs) they were still good. And like, I think we even talked about like how they should be run when we first started this. And my opinions have changed drastically over since I've been playing them more and more and more. And this team is actually super heavily complicated and can be really slow. So it takes at a tournament, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of practice to be good at this team and be on time. Cause that's another thing that's very, very difficult to do is to remain on time, especially with a large model count team, like oh, yeah. Colts, Gellerpox, um, Pathfinders, Anything with above 10 models is can start to become difficult. So um, I think that their mental load is decently high. Um, it's not the highest in the game, right? Uh, warp coven. But so between security and the new crit ops and between their mental load, how many operatives they have and just the general... So imagine, imagine when Kill Team first started, and it was like I don't know how to how else to explain this. We have a, a little a vat of salt water, right? Mm-hmm. The more water you add, which are more and more bespoke teams, the less you're going to take certain teams, right? Right. So just the sheer amount of volume of teams that have been added, security, this and that, is 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 rough. And while people can disagree with me that security is not one of the harder tack ops to score. Uh, I will argue with you because have you ever played a team with recon or seek and destroy? <laughs> yeah. Like the seek and destroy is play the game and get yeah. points. So is recon recons like yeah. vantage 
point, secure explore rooms. Like they're super easy. Even infiltrate has a couple easy ones. Um, they, they, I would say infiltrate is harder, but I would say that security has the most balanced. So like they are difficult to score and you have to come into the game with a plan. Like you can't just come into the game and just expect to do certain things. You need to know when and how your models activate and what, what way they need to do. And we'll get into that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. So now that kind of we've, uh, we've gone over their, their history from then to now, what mistakes have you noticed new players who are just getting into the team uh, make? Firstly, it's every single person trying to take the team with 10 operatives. I don't know how many times I've seen that on Reddit. I don't know how many times I've seen that on other discords. If you're going to take a team with 10 operatives, just take Kasuken, just take Star Striders. Don't even try to take Fedguard. If you're trying to take them in narrative, sure. But like, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the same exact question. And that's one of the reasons why we're making this episode is so that people can come to a reliable source that knows the team extremely well. And we can just talk. And like, I think true is number two in the U S with VetGuard. I am currently number one. And while I don't think I deserve to be, I've just played in a couple <laughs> tournaments. Um, I know the team super, super well. And when we had a mirror match at Nova, we tied and I lost on tiebreakers. Um, but like we did, we took the exact same operatives. We took the, <laughs> we took the exact same, um, the exact same uh, equipment. <laughs> and the only thing we changed was I think we put the rosary on two different people. So um, I think he put them on his leader and I put it on my demo man. So like there is, I think, an objectively best way to play this team. Um, and I think it does change from team to team. So uh, I think that's just something that comes with experience because the more you play this team, the better you will get. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like playing Camille in the top lane of League of Legends when the, <laughs> it's, or Riven. It's a hard champion to fuck to, 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 to make to get good at. Uh, so this is a hard team to get good at, but the more you play them, the more variations you're going to see, and you just have to be creative and explore your options. Okay, so that's that's a, that's good advice. And now, I actually, I kind of wanted to bring something up since you mentioned you kind of have to play the fourteen man. Um, if there was ever a time you didn't, for some reason, what other ancillary support would you say runs pretty hot? against I players. Would, I would never take an ancillary support. Outside okay. Of, so double, doubling down. It's just like, no, no. it's, it's not a thing you do. It's, no, it shouldn't I, even be a rule. So when I, when I play this team, um, in the local metas or anyone out here, I'm saying, Hey, do you guys want to play a fun game? Do you guys want to play a competitive game? Like, what do you want to do? Right? Like they want to play a fun game. I'll bring like compendium crew. I'll bring all sorts of stuff. Right? Like I have like compendium uh, mm -hmm. you know, Tricari, I have a bunch of other teams. Um, but if somebody tells me they want to play a, a competitive game to get better, you know, then I will play guard, uh, vet guard. And that's how I've always been. I'm like, Hey, you know, this is my competitive team or like even in magic, the gathering, this is my competitive deck. I went on turn four. Um, these are all my other decks. What do you want to play? You want to <laughs> play competitively? Do you want to play for fun? Like what's going on? Right. Right. And it's different because some people want to have a challenge game. Some people want to get better. Some people just want to have fun. Right. Okay. Um, so no, I would never take it 
uh, I don't play this team for fun. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, because I, I enjoy the team a lot. I enjoy the operatives a lot. I love the storyline of this team, but it's not a team that I'll ever take easy on somebody. And I think that's something that, you know, I just do is like, like if I take space Marines, yeah, I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to charge your guys. Vet guard, I'll probably do the same because I might be experimenting, but ultimately I am going to be trying to win because I am experimenting, trying different tactics. Um, so that's the number, that's the number one problem is take 14 operatives. If you can't afford a box, two boxes, buy a different box. That's fair. That's simple. That's that's simple. F- there you go. There you go. And you know, I'm sure you, you can probably find enough vet guard players to split a box with if they want mm-hmm. extra dudes or get a 3d printer and 3d print them or find someone on Etsy to do it. There you go. They're not, they're not that expensive. Okay. That's, that's good insight. Uh, Cause I, I, I don't know. I thought you might've had an ancillary support, but uh, you know, all right, this nope. is, this is the way to play them. Okay. <laughs> this is the only way to play them. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, like if you want to play them with 10 operatives, like you can have fun, but just realize you're not going to be playing them competitively. Um, uh, the second, uh, biggest oopsie that I think people make with this team is a lot of times they use the spotter, uh, uh, with indirect. And when I first started and like, sometimes like you just, sometimes you can just forget, like I've done it in a tournament before where I forgot and I had to take a couple steps back and I just like completely forgot that this dude does not have indirect, right? Like it, it doesn't make sense to me why the spotter doesn't have indirect it's a mortar it's coming from above it also doesn't make sense that it works on into the dark um (laughs) it just doesn't (laughs) but a lot of people play the spotter as having indirect and it does not so anyone that's listening to this the spotter does not have indirect so it has barrage unwieldy blast two and is silent so it takes two ap to shoot uh it's barrage so it comes from above blast two inches and it's silent so not only is it a hard gun to shoot but also like it can you know it can do it it, it, it can do work because it does a uh it's five attacks hitting on fours and does two three damage right anything with blast is good um objectively i i i there there's a f- few things that we'll talk about in turning point one that i look for to try and cheese and get as many things as I can. And he, this spot, the spotter is one in ways that you might not expect. Interesting. Yeah. Do you actually want to go over that now? Yeah. So the spotter, uh, is super, is such a valuable, he is, in my opinion, the best operative, the second best operative on the team. I used to call him the best operative on the team. Um, but I think, playing the team more exploring the different options he is the second best operative on the team um turning point one a lot of the times if i'm fighting against most teams i pair him with the sniper most people will pair him with the plasma but you know in the end your plasma is going to shot get shot and die not worth it i'm sorry uh i'd rather trade my plasma at the end of turning point one and then them kill it on their first activation use only in death and kill something else um on turning point two um, and then remove the model uh, or have it move up and score a point if it can't do anything. But objectively, my plasma, the way I play it, I do not pair it with the spotter very often. Um, I'll pair it with the sniper. I'll pair it with a grenade launcher. If I'm going into Colts, if I'm going into Gellerpox, especially, 
or anything else that has a large horde. Um, and I'll use the sniper to run around and uh, commit genocide. Because if, <laughs> if anyone, if any doesn't, one doesn't know, the spotter is also basically another plasma that you have on your team, especially if you have reroll ones and you can fire on engage. So like you can run around and shoot it like a machine gun. <laughs> you don't have to shoot it while sitting in the back. You can be aggressive, especially into like void dancers and all that kind of stuff. You can just nuke a clown, you know? So like, <laughs> I'm sure there's some, some people listening that would love to actually nuke a clown in real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I am one of them. Um, <laughs> oh, do you know like clowns? No, I don't. I love clowns. <laughs> Then why don't you play void dancers? Because they're not they're not like clown clowns. I like oh. I like clowns, you know? Okay. Okay. So you're like the clowning joker. clowning on the homies. That's what I'm about. Oh, okay. All right. I see. I see. I see. <laughs> Anyways, back back to um back to the to the spotter. So the spotter, a lot of times you can use him as as um as a scare tactic. So you can put him in an area and deny areas of the board. Right? You can be like, oh, the spotter's over there. I don't want to move my models over there. You can also give your spotter plus one APL at the beginning of the game, um, move your spotter, and either group activate somebody else or shoot the barrage. A lot of people laugh at me because I shoot a two, three barrage weapon. But if I see something that I can hit three or four models with, I will do it, even against Space Marines. I don't care. It has five attacks. Um, any kind of damage against Space Marines is good damage. Um, Facts. Yeah. So, like, you have to whittle them down, and any little amount of damage will do it. Um, so, like, sometimes what I'll do is uh, if I see you place a model or misplace a model, like put them in the open or somewhere you don't think they can get shot, I can put the spotter behind heavy cover, like completely hidden. And then when you use, um, what's it called? I always call it. I call I called my my tac ops different things. But um, into the breach. Uh huh. That's, right, that's the right one. Yeah. Uh, into the breach. When you use that, you can actually dash your spotter up, still behind heavy cover, uh, in in engage or even light cover and engage uh, uh, unconceal. And then you can make that heavy that that blast shot against an operative that you know somebody can't see or they didn't think they could get shot. And I mean, still five attacks is better than four attacks. You know, with a frag grenade. So, um from the from the grenade launcher so i still think it's objectively uh, a little better um but yeah even though it costs two to shoot you're using the dash to get to where you can see the model and then you can use your barrage right mm -hmm. so and it's what's great is that <laughs> if they're behind a chalnuth building if they're behind something else and you can just you know possibly see them if they're unengaged um you can the the damage comes from above so they don't get any cover saves even if they're behind cover they oh just, yeah so they don't get to retain anything so you know it can be a very useful weapon to just look for it it happens in maybe like five to ten percent of games but it's something that should never be overlooked um the spotter is a super super useful weapon i always bring them on into the dark as well um so, because into the dark, you can just sit him behind a door and open it, or he can just run around and do, you know, do things. He doesn't have to spot. 
So, and he's also super good at still flipping somebody to engage that's within an inch of a wall, you know, so you can still shoot them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you can just camp areas and make sure he's out of range and just lock a door down. So, I mean, it's, it's, he's definitely not bad in the slightest on any, in anything. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say you, you pair him with the grenade launcher against horde teams. You pair him with the sniper and most other options. Uh, if maybe if you're going against um, custodes, you put him with the plasma. But even then, like, I still think the mortal wounds are better than because like you're never going to overcharge into a custody with a shield, right? So, right, um, yeah. But yeah, I think that that's one of the the other big ones. Uh, I think that another. Uh, mistake people you uh, do is that they don't use clear the line enough. Uh-huh. I think clear the line is really, really good. Um, and I think hand axes are underrated. I know that people think that's a joke, but it's not. Um, hand axes are really, really good. Uh, in fact, like sometimes when you, when I just play for fun and I'm experimenting, um, I will take all hand axes just to see what this team can do. And if you take a fixed bayonets, which I call fight, 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 um, you get a reroll ones. So you get ceaseless in close combat and you have clear the line, which is um, you automatically retain one, uh, one <laughs> hit and with a hand axe. You're automatically doing three damage. You roll two dice. If you get a, if you get a, a crit, you know, you're doing five, you're doing eight damage before your model's dead against pretty much most models in the game. Um, and if you group activate, you could group activate two models and then you're hitting on threes, re-rolling ones, auto-retaining one. There's a lot of crazy stuff you can do in melee with this team. So I think it's it's heavily underrated. It's not great. It's not good. <laughs> but I definitely don't think it's bad, to say the least. I mean, Space Marine punches aren't bad, right? Because it's 3-4 for the hand axe, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I ran an all melee vet guard into you and I just, I sacrificed like three hand axes into one one operative and then he lived on one wound and killed like, <laughs> like I think he killed like six, six vet guard. It was quite fun. It was quite uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Um, yeah. So I think that those are some of the really big mistakes that people don't think, or they don't use. Um, and I also think that like, there is a specific list that you show oh, the last one. Cause that was three. I think it was three. If not, then you're getting uh-huh. a fifth. You're getting a fifth one. Uh-huh. Don't take the medic into melee opposition. There's no point. You can't save a model that died in melee. Right. And I think that's, a medic. A, I think that's something people forget about medics in general. Yeah. So like in Defelgor, why would you ever take the medic? Ever. Right, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what they can shoot a yeah. model with a plasma. Okay, cool. Is your medic there? I don't know. Like, you have like a, like a five percent possibility. Um, yeah, I don't think it's worth into Gellerpox into um quite a lot of matchups. And in fact, there's been quite a few times when I've been questioning whether of taking the medic at all in certain games. Um, just because, like, sometimes, like. I think I was fighting commandos and while commandos are okay at shooting, if you position correctly, you don't get shot too much. Like the only reason why you take the medic into commandos is because you're worried about turn one dynamite because if they kill certain operatives on turn one, you're, you're kind of screwed. Um, 
that's the only reason why. The rest of them, you're probably going to die in melee. I mean, they might kill you in shooting, but <laughs> the way that the the the, the, the it, it works usually is that they're going to do a lot more melee than shooting. So I've been questioning whether or not just to take the flamer um, instead of the medic. I think you uh, should. Yeah, I probably should. It's going to be one of my experimental games. Do you want to go over roster composition? Yes, actually, what I was going to ask you next is what is a take all comers list kind of look for you? Like if you didn't know the team, but they said you're going to play against this opponent, you have to pick your roster right now. Like what would be your all stars? Like your guys you take almost all the time. So my sergeant veteran would be Severina Rain. I'm going to say my names of my characters because that's what I do. Badass. Severina Rain uh, with a plasma pistol and a power weapon. Okay. I would take a the confidant, uh, who's Sergeant Ripper Jackson, uh, which is a Games Workshop model, uh, with either a bolt gun or a chainsword. Um, depends on how you want to play the matchup. If I was playing into anything, I'd probably just take the chainsword, because um, she can be useful in close combat. I rarely shoot with the model, anyways. I use her for other uh, other things. She's probably the thing that I'm. She's probably the worst model for me like the the confidant is the worst model for me to use uh i don't i don't use it super well but there are certain things that i do with the model that's one model that i want to get better with because (laughs) i sacrifice her like a pawn (laughs) um quite a lot um i would say that another model that i would take always is the comms and my comms is uh machete danny trejo uh he has two giant machetes and he looks like he's screaming so if he yells at you and he's and he has two giant machetes um you better listen so but the reason why i i take the comms is the plus one apl is too good to ever leave home uh it's too good on too many models you can put it on your meltagun you put it on your plasma you can put it on your um you can put it on your, your demo, which is the main thing that you should be doing. You can put it on your spotter. You can put it on your sniper. There's so many threats in this team that you can practically put a plus one APL on any model at any time, and it'd be good. <laughs> Even on, I think against John Reese, can you roll a crit in, uh, in our, my last game at Nova, I put it on a standard model, turn one, uh, who had a frag grenade. And I moved nine inches past his smoke grenade and threw a crack grenade at uh, his breacher boy's face. (laughs) 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 And and he didn't have time to give the breacher boy. He saw me give my, because I went first. So he saw me give my plus one APL and he was like, ah, I can't give the plus one APL yet. So he like, he, uh, he threw a smoke grenade to try and stop it. And I was able to, I had enough movement to get around it. So like, on a grenade, you know, you can move nine inches and throw a grenade. And what's crazy is that they have alpha strike possibilities too. Usually I use my models to, to, um, my early, my auxiliary auxiliaries to score points Uh early on and sacrifice them, uh, as they should be, uh, because they are just guardsmen, but sometimes you can get a 14 inch. Wait, is it 14? Uh, it's, it's, a 12 inch plus yes. six, an 18 inch, uh, possibility of a, of a, uh, alpha strike because you can do into the breach three inches, give them plus one APL. Uh, and then they can move seven 
with move, move, move nine. Uh, so they can move 10 plus three, 13. So they have a 19 inch threat range. For wow. Average, right? Yeah. Cause if you choose to do it. Yeah. With grenades, you know, grenades are wild. Yeah. So frag or crack, but so you can use the comms for those, uh, never leave home without them. Uh, absolutely the most, like the, these, the Swiss army knife in the vet guard kit. Um, the demolition man is the best model in the team and needs a nerf. Um, I don't care what anyone else says. I even say it. The models weapon should not blow up through walls. Uh, this is uh, my model is Steven Zagal, and he is a bad man in the game. He's a bad man uh, in real life, uh, and he, you know, does mean things to people. Um, at Nova, I killed three Space Marines in one one turn with him before. He, I mean, not one turn, but over the course of one game. You know, which is half the intercession team. <laughs> which, yeah, that's I huge. Himself. One little guy blowing up three Marines is kind of a lot. Yeah. At, uh, at BAO, I killed five Felgor <laughs> with him. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you a little bit about this weapon and why it is so good. Uh, the demo man has a demo mine that can be used multiple times per game. Uh, it has four attacks, hitting on twos. Five six damage, AP one, detonate and silent. So we'll get more into his strategies later, but essentially just that profile is ridiculous. Phobos have the same exact mine and it can only be used once per game. I know, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's amazing. Um the demo man, if they nerf him to only once per game, I'll probably I probably won't take him. Or if I do, he'll be even more of a suicidal bomb threat. He'll be, he'll just be the, the bomb squig at that point. <laughs> um, but the fact that you can do it multiple times a game is what makes him so good. And also the fact that it goes through walls doesn't make sense why it goes through walls. No other mind does. It should not go through walls. Now it doesn't go through into the dark walls, but it will go through any open wall. So Octarius, which most people find competitive, you hide a bunch of people behind a wall they're going to die. <laughs> they're within 11 inches of him. They're going to die. That simple. Um, it's really, really nasty. And I'll even, Steven Seagal will even kill my own models and he won't feel bad about it. You know, <laughs> if I see a shot where I can hit three space Marines and I am also going to kill my leader, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to kill my leader and I'm going to wound and possibly, I'll probably wound two space Marines and probably kill one. Worth it wound horribly um it is ridiculous so uh yeah it, it's it's a very very good model never ever leave home without it. uh i don't know how many i'm on right now but um the next one will be uh i don't think okay we start to get in a little bit harder territory we're gonna go with the sniper next okay and that's yeah. um for me it's the model from the tanith first and only uh-huh. Um, uh, Highland Larkin, and he has a long last. Uh, I see a lot of people out there using what is this called? I want to call it the right thing. Uh, overcharged lads guns, I believe. Oh, the uh, the the ability, right? It's a stratagem or something. Yeah. Um, or the hot shots. Hot no. shots. Is no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the equipment. 
They use hot shots on the sniper. You can't. Don't. You literally just can't. It's, it's not. Like, uh, yeah, you, you literally can't do it. It's, it's against the rules, so stop doing it. Um, uh, please. <laughs> so that is another big whoopsie that I see people making. Um, we go on. So the sp- the sniper is, is a, just an amazing model. It has a wonderful profile and just is, was probably the, the fourth or fifth best model on the team out of 15 operatives. It's definitely still an S category. Um, moving on to, I don't, did I already say the spotter? If I haven't said the spotter, yeah. it's the spotter. Well, you've made it pretty clear. You love the spotter. Yeah. So that's Carl Weathers for me. Let's that's throw him the, in there. <laughs> yeah. Spotter, uh, Carl Weathers. Uh, and then we're going to move on to the gunners. So for me, every single game, I will always take the grenade launcher. For me, that's Chuck Norris. Why leave Chuck Norris at home? You never would. Yeah, you're right. He kicks people in the face. He has killed a gene stealer with a hand axe in close combat by himself in one activation. He's a monster. That's already a Chuck Norris joke built in. Chuck Norris can beat a gene stealer with a hand (laughs) axe in close combat. In a a ranged combat. (laughs) And he didn't even do it. He just and he kicked him to death. It wasn't even, he didn't even use the hand X. Um, I also always bring my Melta who is Rambo. Um, I will never, ever not play a Melta. The Melta causes so much board denial. Um, it is a really good operative. It's a really good model. The weapon is fantastic. Uh, even if he doesn't ever shoot, he stops people from moving within a certain range of him. Because if you use move, 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 you have a 13 inch range of a melta gun. <laughs> you will kill a space Marine. Unless if you're Giacomo, you will whiff everything. Um, <laughs> that was so, that was so lucky. Like, I, I, I don't know how I survived. That. <laughs> yeah. Still hitting on fours. You know, sometimes, sometimes you miss. Um, and it was a trade. Like I fully expected, like I gotta, I gotta throw him in there. I can't yeah. let this guy move. So mm-hmm. the emperor protects, right? Yeah. Uh, the next one I will. Uh, oh wait, have, real quick. Uh, who was holding the melta again? Rambo. Rambo. No, here's Sylvester something. Stallone. Here's one thing I wonder. Sylvester Stallone was Demolition Man in the movie. Kind of wish he mm-hmm. ended up becoming the demo guy, but you know, I only thought yeah. about that right now. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, all right. So the original model comes with Big Bertha, the giant machine gun, uh-huh. and I was like, what do I put instead of this gun? And I was like, well, a Melta makes awesome sense because I'll never not use it. And it's such a good gun. A lot of times, if I ever choose a scored operative as a, as a tack op, I'll put it on the Melta or I'll put it on um, the comms. Hmm. So I put it once on the spotter. So those three models don't die too typically often for me. Okay. Uh, and usually a lot of games, most games, I'd say my Melta is my MVP. Good to know. Good to know. Outside of the demo, man, Steven Seagal, bad man. <laughs> so, um, um, so next, next gunner, next gunner. I've, I've only left off the table very few times, but I have done it specifically into pre nerfed Felgor. Um, this was, uh, the melt gun. I mean, no, the, the plasma gun who is uh-huh. Sarah Connor. She kills terminators. She kills robots. She kills aliens. She kills everything with the plasma. <laughs> um, so, 
Sarah Connor with the plasma, when you do shoot, 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 what is it called? Is it take aim? Take aim or something? Yeah, that you re-roll, re-roll move, ones, move, right? move, shoot, 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 fight, 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 fight is what I call them. That's should, what should have should have been that. Yeah, that's what my leader calls out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, she when you re-roll ones, you overcharge, you get to re-roll your ones, and you know, if you kill yourself, uh, the emperor was not protecting. <laughs> um, but ultimately she's really good having AP two into a lot of teams is really, really good. And a lot of times I will trade it turn two, right? I'll pop out, make a shot. And then if she dies only in death next turn, uh, or if I get first activation, I might just shoot her and then dash her back into combat. And then I have her to shoot again on round three, you know? So, um, only in death is is by far they're they're also the best uh, tactical boy. Right, but the in death atonement. Part. Yeah, yeah. So the flamer I only take into very specific matchups. Um, gene stealers, I'll take it all the time. Any kind of some uh, a lot of hordes. So um, okay, so that's good against hordes. Yeah, know, yeah. pox, all that kind of stuff. Into the dark, it's also really good, but that's not part of my my list. So. Uh, the last four will be the las guns. Um, so it'd be the assets. So we go with, uh, the trooper, John wick trooper, Arnold Schwarzenegger trooper, Bruce Willis trooper, Dolph Lundgren. Usually I give Arnold Schwarzenegger the crack because he's strongest. And then, <laughs> um, depending on uh, how I'm feeling, either Dolph Lundgren, who's killed Apollo Creed, Bruce Willis, who walks <laughs> on glass. And John Wick, who's just uh, an innate badass, I'll give a <laughs> frag grenade. Yeah. So it depends. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So for equipment for the standard list, you're going to be uh-huh. taking a rosary. Uh, you're going to take a frag. You're going to take a crack. Now that puts us at seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So rosary is two. Frag is two crack is three this uh-huh. is the standard come come all list right I'll, sometimes i'll take the chronometer chronometer the uh, hermione granger's turntable you know <laughs> turn back time re-roll the dice um that lets you re-roll initiative once per game uh-huh. usually when i take it i don't need it <laughs> or it fails i don't think i've ever had it i think i've done it once where i was able to do it but knowing that you have that that anxiety in the back of your mind that when you need that demo man to go turning point one to blow himself up and kill a space brain, you know that you might have a chance to re-roll it. Sometimes it just makes you think better during the game. Or topographical chart, if you're looking to do two actions or you're trying to steal first turning point so you know they're taking orcs, so they're probably going to take flip. So you take um, fortify, but you also really need to do a fly dash or you also need to do a flip order. Um, you'll take topographical charts so that you can either make a sniper sniper's nest or you can do all sorts of different things on into the dark. Uh, a lot of people don't expect vet guard to take the fly dash because every model can dash. Um, so you can kind of cheese a, a, so, so they automatically think you're going to take one of the other two. So sometimes you can just play fly dash when you're trying to get f- first turning point. Um, just a steal initiative. Because to me, there's a lot of top players out there that really want to go second, turning point one. Uh, I don't care what map I'm on. When you're vet guard, you want to go first. Anyone who's playing against vet guard, 
every game they want to go first. And I'll tell you why. Um, every game you want to give pretty much your the first activation, especially on Into the Dark, you take the comms and you give your demo man plus one APL. Automatically now, next activation, you have an 11 inch bubble around that model that can he can kill anything. So now you have a huge threat bubble that is ridiculous for anyone to even think about coming into. Yeah, sure. You can try to bait him, uh-huh. uh, you know, with, with one space Marine, but I'll just move my melt out and kill him. And then let's see, let's see what else comes out. You know what I mean? So like there's some, there are very specific things. There's a very specific turn order that you want to do with veteran guard. Um, and almost always depending there are, there are different things sometimes, sometimes, um, on loot on loot. I definitely don't do the turn one activation, um, steal points. Uh, I will steal points. I will use fly dash to go over barriers. I will do anything in my power on loot to steal as many points as I can. Turning point one. If I can go five, one, I will, um, just to make sure that other people don't. So, but that's, that's, that's mission dependent. So, um, yeah. Interesting. So, so now kind of when we're talking missions and layouts and stuff, is there a board type this team excels at? Like, or one that you found is the, the style to play in like into the dark or more open. So into the dark, they excel at when there is a door in the middle of the map (laughs) on the center line. I've seen that one. (laughs) Yeah. You take, uh, you take uh, secure cent- secure center line, secure uh, central control, and um, secure seize access point, and you just throw all of your models at the middle of the board. <laughs> there are some into the dark maps that don't have that. <laughs> it's very difficult. It becomes more difficult. Uh, then you have to say like, am I going to overcommit to one side and uh, use escort operative and just really push down one side and not t- take seize access point. Mm-hmm. Am I going to, um, like, w- like you have to, every single match, you have to have a plan with security in the current form of the game. Um, you just have to, right? right? So like on into the dark, it's best to practice the maps and try and figure out what's going to be good. And unfortunately your, your, your things will change depending on what you're playing against. When I'm playing against Gellerpox, Felgor against these other teams, you have to change the way you completely play. That goes for everyone, not just Vetguard. Um that's that that's just a pro tip. Like if you play against uh Gellerpox like you do any other team, you will lose because you are not you you are playing their game at that point. They want you to play like they, every other team. Right. Same thing with Felgor, same thing with Colt these big scary teams the reason why they have such a high win rate outside of cult cult are just busted um they want you to play the game normally and not play the game to beat them because they have a specific game plan to beat them um so um for open i usually always take central control center line and seize defenses and you just kind of hope hope there's a heavy piece in the middle and you just go for it. Sometimes you take a scored operative, but it's risky because if your model dies, they could just turn everything to try and kill it. Uh, that's Rambo. He thrives in it. 
uh, when it happens. Uh, and he's just, he's just not scared. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah. That's interesting. I was wondering how you decided that. Yeah, I take the same thing every game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you're, you're good at it. You understand why, why it works, right? Yeah. Now, um, is there teams? The, the reason, we, uh-huh. the re- sorry, the reason why it works is because you have a demo man that has 11 inch threat range and you're like, hey, do you want to come towards the middle of the board? Because that's what I own. Um, when I played against Adrian uh-huh. uh, at, 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 um, he made one crucial mistake against me. At Nova, right? At Nova. I put my demo men down last. I was defender. And then he overcommitted to that side. Whatever side they put the demo man on, leave it alone. Because they can jump forward and plant a mine on the other side of the board on, on the other side of a door, or they can turn two, do the same thing. It's a lot harder to get across the board to the other side. So um, for all you veteran guard players, there are specific strategies that you can do on Into the Dark that really help basically be like, hey, this is mine. Don't come here. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, so back to the, the other question. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to ask, what teams do, does this vet, does you do vet guard struggle against? Felgor. Felgor. No, not against cultists. Um, everything struggles in the cultists. That's right fair. Now. That's that's a dumb one. That's yeah. yeah that's fair. That's fair. So, <clears throat> Felgor and Insta Dark specifically is a difficult match for them. I think Felgor on open can be if people are using super concealed spell rather than other spells to do other things. Um, Felgor also have a lot of stun capability, so they can forward deploy Toxhorn, throw it at something to get your demo mine minus one APL. Now you don't have a three inch, uh, 11 inch threat range. In fact, he's neutered. So anything that has like a lot of stun, um, I still think that pathfinders can be difficult for them. I think other veteran guard is also difficult. Um, I find legionaries to be difficult. Uh, I have to play that matchup more often, but I don't think I've really won in the past year against legionaries as, as a veteran guard player. Wow. I didn't expect that. I thought you'd be awesome against elites. Yeah, me too. But unfortunately, usually I play them on into the dark. Uh, I did play them. I think on the team tournament. No. So they, so for vet guard, the reason why they're better than intercession is that they have damage reduction built in when they're Nurgle. Right. Uh, they have invulnerable saves. Um, or I believe so. Um, they have different things that they can do to kind of stop and neuter your damage. Uh huh. And, Intercession doesn't. They durable's gone, right? So right. like they have they have certain things that are like, oh, your crit is now a five. They just and also for me, they're just better in close combat. And they just they're way more efficient in killing. And also they have blast. So it's not just like intercession, I have no blast. I will kill you one by one very efficiently. Well, I have 14 models. If I die one to one, I am I'm having a great game. Right? That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So like legionary they can take blast they can they have a, a you know the corn dude with a freaking chain axe that can do reap <laughs> i'm gonna charge three models i'm gonna kill a bunch you know right. um you know so there's 
They, I find to be a lot more difficult. They're probably the hardest of the elite matchups into Vetguard. I think they will, I think they will slap Justinian. Um, I think they, <laughs> they, they slap Intercession. Um, trying to think of other difficult matchups. So I put Legionary as a more difficult matchup, but not, I probably just haven't unle- unlocked the code yet, but. Okay. Yeah. I don't think any compendium team is any sort of way good against them. Uh, Corsairs can be pretty, can be pretty sketch for sure. Um, because they have blast. They're really fast. They do a bunch of stuff that you want to do. Uh, hand of the archon can also be a little difficult, but if hand of the archon doesn't start to get rolling, then, you know, they don't roll. <laughs> right. And then that team just kind of falls apart because they're still elf bodies, you know? Yeah. I don't find orcs to be difficult. Um, I think I lost, no, I don't think I've ever lost to a commandos player outside of John Reese at Nova. Um, I think the times I've played a manual, I think I've tied, but we played more of a narrative. I don't think we've played competitively. Um, Dang, the world's got to see that match. That would be great. Maybe we'll (laughs) uh, we'll put them on stream when we start twitching more often. Um, I think that'd be fun. That would be Um, fun. There you go, Emmanuel. That's your invitation. Yeah. Uh, He can come (laughs) over my house anytime. (laughs) Um, So so you'd say those are probably the biggest struggle teams. Yeah, currently from at least that can come to mind. I think that like exaction squad exaction squad, if they take a bunch of shields can be, but like I just have more bodies. So like they can like pile in and I'm like, okay, well I'll just pile in too. You can kill one guy a turn and I'll still get, you know, central control. Hey, you know, so like, and they also don't, they also don't have long range. I'm trying to think of any other teams. Is there any teams that you, I don't find Gellerpox to be a counter. Gellerpox are, are good. So they are difficult to fight. But if you, if you kind of know what you're doing into them, they are a tad bit easier. Like for instance, I don't find them terribly difficult. Of course, Orion, the Gellerpox King is not on this side of the, of, of the U S so I don't have to play against him uh, too often, but. I mean, I've heard Star Striders are really good into them, but luckily I've never had to fight Star Striders. And also Novitiates probably could be good into to them as well. But Novitiates are dead and gone. Yeah, uh, I feel like so. no one plays them. Like I know people who own them, but they don't play them. They really they really struggle into the current um melee factions. Dang, we're gonna get it. They're gonna they're probably gonna have to get a buff or something. Then we'll get to do a deep dive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so outside of the teams that you struggle, what's a team you see against, like on the opposite side of the board, and you're like, "I'm going to win this. No way, I can lose this." Like ninety percent intercession. You see them, and you're like, "Yeah, I got these guys. Get ready to get teabagged." Yeah, <laughs> with with uh, as everything you explained ahead of time makes makes I a lot asked, of sense. I asked them, "Have you prayed to the emperor today?" Usually, they always say no because I mean, who does that? Just me. I'm fucking weird. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I don't think intercession or any compendium team is good. Hearthkin can be scary as well. And uh they're not other shooty hordes can also, you know, can also do pretty well. But intercession to me holds no bite whatsoever because no matter how you play Vetguard, in my opinion, you should probably just win that match as long as you're taking the correct operatives. Okay. And, and 
and taking the correct, the correct trades and hiding correctly using the terrain to your advantage. Obviously there are, there are things that can change that. I think the only intercession players I've lost to is I've lost to you and I've lost to my wife, but I can't say that I've lost to many other intercession players, period. That's true. I don't really know who else you've I mean, lost to. I mean, when we, when we think about it, uh, Vetguard were really popular at Nova. And where did the top intercession player place? 26. 26th, right? Or something like that? Yeah. And it just shows that, like, even though they're good into commandos, Vetguard was like, nah, I'm gonna <laughs> you don't get this. to play today. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts to think I, about. Like, I know. have too much AP. And I have too many bodies for you to to deal with. Yeah, you know, I, I actually do think that is one of the biggest weaknesses that intercession has to deal with. Was uh, there's only so many bullets, you know, and there's only so many activations compared Agreed. to what, and they, they get worse as you lose dudes. Um, and Vetguard, who has 14 guys, is like, I really don't care about losing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dang, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, so I wanted to ask this: the team itself has had security its whole life. Do you feel that if they were to get seek and destroy, they'd become unstoppable? Yes. <laughs> if you add anything else to this team, they will be the S plus 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 team in the game. They should not get any other archetype. I think that other archetypes should be nerfed to security's standard. Um, and I think that also like game designers should make it so that crit ops can only be scored like one operative can score um like one tack op per per round right uh-huh. uh maybe two but like i don't know um gellerpox can score three tack ops in one round wow. they can get like they can get route they can get robin ransack and they can take over one of your points with one of their own things in one round it's fucking bananas That's, like they like is- like a techno curse or whatever it's called um, like when they, when they infect a bunch of, of, of markers, um, like there's six of them. There's, you get six tech ops in a game. Like one dude just scored half of them, you know, like security is like, Oh, at the end of the game, if you, if you hold this point, you got it, <laughs> huh. you know, like it's, they're all about holding things. So like. I don't know. I think that the crit ops is good in some ways and, and poor in others. All right. That, no, that's a good, that's a good th- thought about it. Um, so what changes then do you think could be made that would help out the team or make them more in line? Uh, I think the first thing that has to happen is the, the demo mine needs to not go through walls. Okay. Plain and simple. Now, what a lot of people say is the spotter needs to be changed and, and uh, change to kind of like what every other spotter does. I'm not like thoroughly against that, but also like, I kind of like, obviously I'm a, I'm a vet card player. I, I like that it is dangerous and it is different. Um, and people have to play around that. So I don't necessarily think that that should be um, nerfed. Uh, I do think that another nerf that could come to the team that would really neuter them is in death atonement, um, mm-hmm. making it uh, CP plus one. 
uh, every time you wanted to do it. But I don't think it's necessary. I think that the team has always had a decent win rate. Like it's always been in the fifties and that's why they're a good team. They're always within range. They always have a good play range. If you put enough games into this team, you will be good. Um, if you, if you have the right strategies, you will be good. But the thing that holds this team back is a lot of people just pick it up and they play it. They, they can't figure them out good enough or they play with 10 models and then they die and they lose. Maybe they just leave the game. So there is like an objectively best way to play this team. And yeah, I think that I think that just nerfing the demo mine would be a good start. Like just putting it in line with the rest of the demo units in the game. Correct. Because I think if you went too much, the team would just be bad. Right. You wouldn't take the team anymore. Play mm-hmm. a different flavor of guardsmen. I think another thing that could be done is taking one strategic, uh, one of the operatives away for. Um, oh, for ancillary. So like go to instead of 14, 13. Yeah, okay. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, because if you if you if you go down to twelve, uh-huh. I could also see that, but I feel like that would be a balance a balance to balance one. I think that they should do the demo mine first, and then on the next data slate, if there's still a problem, go and take two uh, two two of those away. And if they did that, I think any future changes to this team would make them practically possibly unplayable. Like if they then change the spotter as well, it's like okay, well I'm I'm not going to play this team again. I'll just play Casterkin. Right. Some, something different like that just does it a little better. And I think you make a good point. Like if you just change the demo man to not blow up through walls, I think yeah. you really don't have to make much more changes. I think the team is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, the team already has a high skill cap. If you're like, it would be essentially punishing the top echelon of players that play this team really well and really hurting any intro person into the team. That's why pathfinders are hurt by a lot of their stuff. They're just so oppressive in the right hands, right? These guys are also very oppressive in the right hands. Like against intercession, man, I know the enemy person, the enemy player is probably not going to have a good time. Obviously, if I roll poorly and they roll well, there's a chance, right? They're pro- they they can definitely take the win. Sure, but I I I definitely have a lot of confidence into that one. So you know, they can be super oppressive. Usually, when these guys win, like sometimes you have to hold yourself back to stop yourself from tabling an opponent because. I don't like to table people because it's not fun. That's true. Especially for new people. No, no one ever wants to get just like absolutely blown out of the water. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't feel good, which is why I think the box set was really good. Cause orcs and vet guard are really good against each other in a fun way. Like I lose an orc. Ah, you lose two vet guard. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, trading and it feels pretty even. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they've ever made it that balanced in those box sets ever since. Right. I feel like not nearly for, for what? For like kill team box sets in general, I feel like nothing has been as good as Octarius. Like not saying the teams are bad inside them, but when it's like the two matchup teams, you know? Well, I definitely think Chalneth was the worst box to ever come out for the game because they were both so overpowered. At the time. And when still overpowered. It took a while for them to to come out. I mean, Travis Chang took uh, Pathfinders, who's objectively one of the best Pathfinder players in the US. Um he took him to Nova and didn't do as well, but he had a good time, which means, and he, he, you know, he said that, you know, the team is now 
playable on Into the Dark, but they're not like overpowered. So they still really struggle on Into the Dark. So as long as this um, multi-format terrain system is going to go be around, which I don't see it going away. At least I hope you don't, GW. Uh Um, You know, I I definitely think that Pathfinders just need a rework. But yeah, what was what was your question again, G? I apologize. No worries. Um, The previous one or the one I was going to next. Uh, the previous, I don't know if I answered it. <laughs> you, you definitely did. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. We're good. Um, so now I kind of want to move over to something a little more personal, but still kind of regards to veteran guards since you would be probably playing them, uh, as a TO, cause I know you do a lot of the tournament organizing for what we do here. Um, how do you find time to play? Cause I mean, I know you're just so busy either getting stuff set up or building stuff so that you can sell or that you can use at the next tournament, you know? Yeah. Or with my wife or with your wife or my son. Or your son. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I had to quit one of my jobs is because I, my wife needed more help at home. So uh, the easy answer to your question is I don't play this game. Wow. And you're this good with VetGuard. Uh, it's because I just play one faction. And Still. also my current job lets me think about this game all the time. And I do get to talk to a lot. I am. I am blessed enough to be able to talk to a lot of really good players in the community and the scene, uh, especially on the West coast, right? A lot of them are saved as my favorites in my phone book, because I like to call people more than I like to text. And if you're one of my friends, I apologize because you will get phone calls from me, (laughs) not texts. Um, cause I'm a talkative man. Um, yeah. So I don't get to play a lot. Uh, I think that when we get, more set up to a regulatory like standard when we start streaming i'll be able to start playing a lot more i feel like if i if i if i practiced i could have done better at nova like i Mm -hmm. I think i could have been better than eighth place um but like you know i think that the only games i've played i haven't played any games outside of tournaments this year and i think i played in what two san diego's so that's uh, eight games. I played eight games at Nova. Uh, no, not Nova. Eight games at KTO. And I played eight, nine, 10, 11, 11 games at, uh, so I've played like 25, 26 games. Oh, and then I played a couple games at Hammer of Wrath. So that's, I think, four more, three more. Wow. So I've played like 20, 29 games this year, you know? so (laughs) it's not a whole lot no it's definitely not if i got to play a little bit more um you know i think that not only would i have some of the rules down better even though i'm a to you know sometimes things some things still confound me they happen like it like at avtt um people would come up and say like hey i have a felgor question about when when it dies from an overwatch and this this and this and i'm like (sighs) Let me go ask an encyclopedia and I'll go to find Chris Chris Bucky or something. Chris Bucky, Alex, (laughs) you know, Jimmy, you know, uh, you know, and I'll be like, yo, this is one, this one's weird. You're a Felgor S expert, Orion. And he's like, yeah, man, uh, that, yeah, this is it. I was like, all right, thanks, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's that's the wonderful thing about these players too. Even at top tables, they're like, yeah, I can, I can explain that real quick. Yeah. They don't mind. Yeah. And so like, 
so some sometimes like you do get these really weird weird um questions and some some people are like oh i have no idea and you're like okay well you either make a snap decision on the on the moment and then you can come back and fix it um yeah so there are some some weird rules calls and stuff and every to gets something wrong because usually when there's a rules call outside of visibility or line of sight it is difficult right so, uh, to to always get the right answer because usually they're a weird question it's something no one's ever thought of this when somebody probably has, but you know, yeah. That's interesting. Um, well now since the year is kind of almost over, we're getting to the end of our season. Are you looking forward to any events that, uh, to the, in the, in the following year, any events in the following year? There we go. So, um, me as a player, because right now all eyes uh, right, of our entire staff are looking, is looking at LVO. Like it's pretty much the next thing. Uh, SoCal Open, even though it's a silver ticket, and the West Coast Championships, they're both speed bumps on the way to LVO. Um, I don't mean to say that lightly. They're going to be fantastic tournaments. They're going to be a lot of fun. But all of our time and resources, uh, schedule planning, uh, product management, all this kind of stuff, content, uh, poster making, all of our extra time is going to be going towards LVO. So outside of things that I'm TOing, you know, I had an interesting conversation with Orion. He was one of the original founding members of um, Kill Team Open. And, uh, you know, Kill Team Open 3 is not happening next year. So the the door is open that uh, to pair up with possibly, you know, Orion or uh, other ex-staff of Kill Team Open to make Kill Team Open 3 happen. And I don't know if it would happen next year or possibly 2025, but it is something that we are talking about to see if that might be something that squad games wants to do. Um, but games that we're probably going to play at, I would love to take my wife to Nova. Nova was a lot of fun or Adepticon. Uh, or if Ben from Battle Brothers Tabletop is going to run a big event in Florida. It would be fun to go revisit Florida and see Florida man in real life because I'm sure we'd see him down there when we're walking around. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, thanks. So uh, there's also New York Open. So uh, I would like to travel to one East Coast event next year, not two, like I did this year, but just one. Same. And yeah, so those would be in the running. And if any of those organizers wanted to help us get out there, then I would not say no, <laughs> as we are content creators. Um, so, and I know tournaments have done that in the past for content creators, but I would say that it would probably be one of those events. Adepticon would be a lot of fun because it is, you know, renowned. I just, I'm not a big fan of, I've never been a big fan of their tournament format for Kill Team. They've always had like weird things or did like pods and I don't know. I think last year they did something a little bit more normal, but to me, I just don't know what they're going to do. So it's a little bit more sketch if I was going to go play. Um, I would love to go to Nova, New York Open or something that Ben would throw. So. That would probably be my East Coast event, 
my West Coast events, I would love to travel to BAO, which is an FLG event. Uh, we had record numbers for BAO this year. I think we had 28 players, which is good because every other year it's been sub 12. So hopefully uh, Chris Bakke is going to be running that event. So it should be uh, a real blast to actually go and play a tournament under Chris Bakke's tournament. Just as I've never been to one, you know, it would be, it's going to be a great time and I love to see it grow. We're going to push SoCal to go. Um, they came down, so we need to return the favor. That's so Callians, right? Um, let's head up to BAO next year to the Bay area and make it a really big tournament. And then I would, I'm also planning to go to kill scream next year in the Pacific Northwest. And I would hope that they would return the favor and come back down to the AVTT. So I think those three events are definitely events that I would love to attend next year. How about you, Giacomo? You know, you just mentioned Kill Scream, and that's uh, that's exactly what I want to do. And I've already been toying with a redesign of how I do my intercession. So th- 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 that'll be topical. We'll, we'll talk about that later in the future. Sounds so, good. Um, so yeah, so very fun. Um, I want to do that. I'd like to go either to Nova is because you guys made it sound super fun from, from the last time. And I've been to Adepticon before, but mostly I did like a lot of the, um, like the courses and I was just looking at vendors. I didn't play in tournaments, but I wouldn't mind playing in some tournaments because, uh, yeah. Adepticon's a lot of fun, you know, Schaumburg, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we were able to get any kind of like help getting out to these events, I'm sure we could make more East coast events happen. Right. Um, Sure, because you know it's planning, it's money and time, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, we do, we do what we can, and you know, we make it happen, and you know, it's just fun to meet the community members that we normally can't meet because we're always in SoCal. Though uh, going up north might be a lot easier, you know. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I mean, I will say that one of my favorite things of Nova was just like people recognizing my uh, <laughs> my voice or talking to me and be like, "Hey, man, I listened to it. You know, I listened to the podcast. Thanks. You know, like those like." I don't know if you guys know that, but that's like a huge, we really enjoy that. So if, if you know me or G and you're at an event, you know, come say hi, you know, it, it boosts our, our self-confidence. Yeah. So. We'll say hi back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there, uh-huh. there's a couple more strategies that I would like to get into. Lay, lay it on us. Lay it on us. I was going to ask you if you have anything you want to share with us about Vedgard. Yeah, there is. So on Into the Dark, some of the biggest strategies that I focus on is I will nearly every single game uh, give the plus one first activation plus one APL and every round to the demo man. And I usually will group um, when I when I place models, I always have the comms, the demo man and the confidant and the leader all in the same group. And the reason why is the comms is going to give the buff of plus one APL to the demo man. The, uh, the leader is going to shout out an order to everyone. Uh, the comms will never move. <laughs> um, the leader can do whatever, but the, the biggest, the biggest thing what you do is that you group activate your confidant with two APL and your demo man with three APL. You walk open, you, you use move, move, move. So you have a seven inch move. You can get to pretty much most doors on the map. You can open the door with the confidant and place a mine on the other side. 
Or if somebody, if an enemy model's already moved to that door, you can walk up to the door, open it, move the Debo mine seven inches, um, place the mine, dash backwards, and then blow it up. And then the thing is that you have to remember is that you also have into the breach. So turning point one, a lot of times you're going to have a an even larger threat range because you're going to get that extra three inch dash to get both of those models closer. So now you can get to any door that's within 10 inches of your, of your zone and you can drop a mine, you know, 11 inches away. So you have a 14 inch threat range. Um, and a lot of people don't see it coming. And a lot of times you can set up a turn two, go through two doors and blow somebody up because you can open a door uh, with the confidant, have the confidant in range of opening the other door, use move, move, move again, move a confidant up, open the second door, move the demo man in, plant the mine, blow up your confidant, kill him, uh, and kill whatever's on the other side of that door, which is usually quite a few models. <laughs> yeah. So um, those are like, that's why you just don't go on that side. <laughs> Unless if you have, yeah, a lot of AP, uh, you know, invulnerable saves like custodes or something like that. But even then I'll, I'll why not? I'm going to try it. So, um, that is one of the biggest things for into the dark. That's a really big combo. Um, sometimes I'll use the spotter and the, uh, the trench, uh, the, the spotter and the sniper, and I'll just put them in my deployment zone looking at a door. <laughs> if somebody comes through that door, I'm going to shoot them. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I'll just leave them in my deployment zone and, you know, just wait, you know, cause you can lock down an entire side with that as well. Uh, sometimes if you dash them forward, like I've been doing lately, um, they become in range of enemy charges and stuff like that. So I think I'm just going to leave them in my deployment zone. Um, your sniper can also just run around and kill stuff. So into the dark, that's a really big thing, uh, on open. Uh, loot specifically, uh, use a fly dash to get over barriers, get over traverse, uh, use into the trenches to forward deploy your models, mm -hmm. steal as many points away as you can, turning point one, just to make it so that, you know, if you get four points and your opponent only gets one, they have a really large uphill battle. Now, a lot of times you will start to dwindle on models pretty quickly doing that. So you have to be careful, but uh, a lot of the times I find trading trading an ancillary support, which you get four extra models for. For points is not bad. Getting four loot points or getting four points, one for each model or two for some most of them is not bad. Um, you can also look for um, alpha strikes. So you can forward deploy a crack grenade, give them plus one APL, <clears throat> um, move your seven inches, dash an extra, you know, three inches. So that's now uh 17, 17 inch move. And then mm -hmm. you throw another great grenade. So now you have a 23 inch threat range, hmm. um, which is the entire length of a board. Um, so there's quite a lot. Uh, the medic, I always keep nearby my spotter and my, uh, my sniper. I'm not super creative with this with the medic. In fact, the medic and the comms usually do things late game because everything else is dead. And 
another pro tip that I would say is don't be afraid to lose models. You have 14. Trade them for points. Trade them for kills. You can, you can, if you trade a model for, for just a point, you can do that because you have 14 models. Space Marines, you cannot. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. If you go one for one for the Space Marine and a Meltagun or one for one with a Space Marine and a Plasma, that's a great trade because now you have 13 models and they have five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a great trade. So there is, um, don't be afraid to, to lose models. I would like to say that also another pro tip is change up your matchups into when you tra- change up your matchups into, um, Felgor or any of these other models teams and you drop your medic um take the flamer the flamer is great a lot of people really like the zealot the zealot gives you the five plus critical hits cool all right so you're making your plasma hit better you're making your sniper hit better okay um they're already going to kill stuff they're already going to hurt stuff i'm not worried about them doing anything i'm worried about putting more blast putting more damage as as out as possible your 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 flamer can be a area denial sometimes i'll use uh, uh i'll use the flamer in a vet, vet guard v vet guard match uh i didn't against true but i thought about it i probably should have mm. um yeah it's not a bad tool uh it's also really got on into the dark so the only things that i change is um going into felgor i will drop um I will drop my or into other melee teams. A lot of times I will drop the comms and I will take my hardened or a flamer. And those are the only other two operatives that I ever consider taking. I never take the bruiser. I never take the demo. I mean, sorry, the vet, uh, the zealot. I just, I just don't. Uh, I've taken the, the bruiser in narrative games. Um, that's once per turning point when he fights, uh, in the resolve successful hit step of that combat, you can ignore the damage inflicted from one normal hit. So he's a great model to put rosary on. He's probably the only other model that I would do it on. Uh, I would take in melee because you could, um, ignore one and then rosary ignore two. And he has, uh, the trench club, which does three threes hitting on threes. Um, and it has stun. So, I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. The hardened, I much rather have the, the, uh, the rosary on specifically. Mm -hmm. I put them on, I put the rosary on three different models and only three different models. I never put on anything else. Uh, I'll put it on the hardened veteran because the hardened veteran already has, um, already has a feel no pain of a five plus Mm -hmm. and they can ignore any and all modifiers to their APL. Hmm. Um, so it's a really good model to put a grenade on. Um, it, it's, it has a bionic arm, so it hits on uh, hits on fours, does four or five damage, so it's a little power fist. Um, so you can charge an orc and expect to live. Uh, I've done it many times. Uh, <clears throat> I've also, like, uh, I also put the rosary on a the demo man because i can't i've done it multiple times where i've 
uh, blown up a model and then first turning point, they're about to charge this model. I plant a mine and I explode and I expect to die. But if I have a rosary on it, all I have to do is roll two ones out of, out of four attacks. It's happened. If I roll two ones, um, or even you can spend a CP to try and roll another one. Um, it's just like a reverse six plus save. Uh, your model will survive. And then you have, you're alive on two or one, right? Right. So I'll put him on him or I'll put him on the, 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 uh, the leader with the plasma. The plasma and the leader is one of your most versatile units because it's the only model and kill team that you're allowed to take both a power weapon and a plasma pistol, which I probably expect them to change in the next edition. I don't expect that to stay. I feel like that was a, an oversight. You can probably mm-hmm. either take the plasma pistol and a chainsword or yeah, in the future. But right now it's great because you're great at melee. And um, one of my favorite things to do with this model is to, um, you can uh, basically shoot a Felgor or kill a Felgor in melee or get it low and then charge it with melee. And then let's say he's frenzying and you're like, okay, cool. Uh, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to kill your leader now because why would you charge him? All right, cool. They activate on their turn. You just save it. You save your CP. They kill your leader in melee or you, or you don't die and you just have two life left because you crit. Right. Um, so when your mate, when your leader dies, then you use your frenzy, your special frenzy only in death. Um, because you haven't activated, well, this, this would be like, so at the last activation, you would move up your model into uh, a Felgor, kill it on their, on their turn. They're, they're thinking, oh yeah, I'm just going to kill your model. Uh-huh. They kill your model. And then, uh, you use only in death. And now you have a free movement to move forward into their lines. Plasma pistol, a leader, plasma pistol, the toxhorn, do something else. Yes. Your leader is going to get removed. But again, you're trading one model for two models which is good for vet guard incredible for yeah yeah so there's a lot of good things that you can do i don't think that there's too much variation in your list building outside of that i think you need a total of 16 or 17 17 total models to build so the 10 that i said before and your four alternatives are your hardened your flamer and your um let me look hardened your flamer and your uh the other one that i said (laughs) (laughs) yeah so those are my last tips and tricks i do think that you probably need 20 to 30 games with this team to start to really get good and then you have to retrain yourself on how to play on into the dark because they do function differently and you have uh you the reason why it takes so many times is because you need to know when to activate models what models to put next to what other models and then sometimes on some maps you know there's no heavy cover in your deployment zone so like you have to spread out you know so like you have to play with a lot of different things because you have 14 models so sometimes it can be hard to hide all of them uh, and I definitely don't suggest ever clumping against pathfinders spread out, 
and let them kill a couple of your models. That's okay. You know, you're going to lose a couple anyways if they if they get the blast off. So the <laughs> <laughs> same thing with, with same thing with orcs. Like don't be afraid to spread out. Don't be afraid to have your models further in your deployment zone because you can still into the breach move up. You can move you can forward deploy all of your barriers three inches, move a bunch of models up to that line, move your models from the back forward. So now your models are are are, are spread out equally across the entire deployment zone. They spread if they spring the dynamite, you should never let them ever kill more than one model with dynamite. You know it's coming. They're always going to forward deploy, whether it's a breacher boy or whether it's a sniper or whether it's you know a bunch of different forward deploys or anyone with a uh, Phobos, anyone with an alpha strike. You really need to spread out. So don't be afraid to have a couple models in the open. You're going to lose a couple anyways. You have 14 of them. So. Uh, if you get first turning point, which you should, take those models and put them on objective points. <laughs> you know, if they're not mm-hmm. in cover. So, yeah, I think those are my final few um, pro tips. Dang, that's a lot to digest right now. But you know what? The cool thing about this medium is you can always rewind and listen again. Yeah, actually, I lied. There's one more. Ooh. The best, the best tack boy, the best tack boy in the game for this team is in Death Atonement. I can't tell you how many times I have made Kellen angry because Kellen also plays Vetguard and he fights me and he kills a model and he's expecting to charge someone else and I just say, in Death Atonement. He's like, oh, I forgot you could do that. But the <laughs> amount of times, and I'm like, how, Kellen? How'd you forget? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, if you're not thinking and you're not playing this team, this gets everyone. It gets a manual. I've gotten Alex Squires. I've gotten everyone with this because people aren't thinking it's the reverse just a scratch. Yes, you can kill my model, but my model will not die. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 you can't do it on a model that's already been activated. So you have to be careful with when you activate, but, um, you know, you can stop those double fights from a space marine. A space marine charges, doesn't fight. You know that they're going to kill your model, charge your leader next, kill your leader. Okay, so they 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 char- uh, they they fight your guy, they kill your guy, and who hasn't activated yet because it's the beginning of the next turn. And you say, okay, I'm only gonna I'm gonna only in death. And then they're like, ah, oh, ah, I was planning on you know not. I was going to charge. I don't know. i saw what you're doing you know but the smart uses of only in death because sometimes it might not be worth it to save your plasma most of the time it is (laughs) most of the time it is but there are some occasions where you want to be spicy with it you have to keep that model locked into close combat you have to stay on that point because there's other times where i've had a felgor charge a model kill it and then expect to like take the point to then, then then loot it and I'm like, to, to, to just a normal guy. And I was like, no, I'm going to only in death. Then I'm going to group activate these two models. I'm going to take this model from, from on this objective, tap it, move it over to the objective that your, your guy just killed my model on. And I'm going to use my group activate who just died, steal that objective. And now he's going to die. And, I, and you still can't take that point because you still have to kill that model that other model because I just stole two model, two, two more objectives from you because I forward deploy and I, I went so hard turn one. 
Mm-hmm. So there are some really spicy things that you can do within Death Atonement. And don't just save it for your, your big models. Save, you can use it on your simple ones too. I mean, I think that's where most people would get salty. You're like, oh, I didn't think you're going to do that. And then you're like, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. <laughs> the salt is real. The salt, the demo man and only in, 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 in Death Atonement uh, makes the salt uh, pour from the pores. well i have one last question to ask you before we wrap this up you love vetguard vetguard are great what other team do you want to play like like that you passionately want to either come out and play or that exists and you want to play them i have three giacomo i know go ahead I really like Intercession. They are a ton of fun to play. I don't care if people say they're boring. I don't care. They're fun. They're exciting. They're fun. They're space marines. They're good. I like them. Um, they do a lot of stuff. They ha- they fit my hero aesthetic. I like I like to I like to play teams that have protagonists and protagonist models. Uh-huh. They're all protagonists. They're all good. Um, I would love to see that's a team that currently exists that I thoroughly enjoy playing. Um, teams that I look forward to in the future is striking scorpions games workshop. Don't you dare do me dirty. Um, do them dirty, man. <laughs> I I'm the, the rumors are out there and I'm, I mean, I think the most, most of the, most of the internet knows that these guys are coming or at least, you know, if they're not coming next, maybe, maybe, Here's here's a here's a here's a spicy one. Uh-huh. Maybe they just want to screw over all the fans, and they're like, "Oh, in fact, it's not going to be the next box. We're going to make it the box afterwards. So we're going to wait for a super long time to put out the next box, and then the next box after that is going to be the strike." No, they won't do that. Scouts are coming out soon, so um, it'll so be a very good chance that that's going to be the the way to go. Yeah, at least that's the rumor uh, that keeps being pushed on the YouTubers. Um, so striking scorpions and also Katachan. If Katachan ever come out, uh, I want to play a melee Vetgar team where they have machetes and I'm not playing some chaos worshiping devil worshipers that all deserve to be burned. No traitor guard for me. Uh, I would love to play some fun Katachans. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for coming to the scheduled thing that we have to do because that's what we do. <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad you could show up to the thing we do for part of our job. So, <laughs> um, do you, you know, you know, um, that this was a lot of fun. Actually, I did learn a lot more about Vetgard than I thought, and I thought I knew a pretty good amount already. So, um, so this is a lot of knowledge for me too, and I really like that. Yeah, and I know. Uh, Hopefully, it helps. Like it. Hopefully it helps you guys in the future. Maybe you guys can develop tactics versus these dirty, these dirty vet guard players, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah. But I can tell you from like, objectively, this is how I want to play every game. And objectively, this is the same tack ops. I take almost every single game, you know, seize defenses, secure center line and secure cent- and central control. Almost every single game. Very rarely do I take anything else. So, uh, Unless if people are trying to get spicy, but you sometimes spicy doesn't work out. So, yeah, you know, you could take the escort, and you're thinking like, ah, they're never going to touch this guy, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to kill that melted today. 
<laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I'll lose a guy. You're not going to get escort operative. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's that's got to be a hate kill right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. <sighs> Is there anything you want to shout out? Um, I'd like to shout out uh, Saya for coming to the AVTT and doing such a stand-up job. Um, you know, she's what makes the events profitable. Uh, she's able to take sales and, uh, she also does, puts on a ton of work behind the scenes through our media. She manages our Instagram and, um, you know, she, she does a lot of work. She does a lot of filming. She, she preps the coffee pot for everyone. Uh, she's the heart, soul, uh, the background of a lot of the stuff. So, uh, you know, without her uh, squad games, uh, would not be the, be the same. Also, I want to shout out G you were definitely missed at this last tournament. Um, you know, it's definitely, a th- yeah, it's definitely a three person, three person gig. Um, you know, and, uh, you were, you were sorely missed and I'm, I'm glad you're good now. Yeah. I'll be there next year. Hopefully, you know, no more, no more COVID. We, no more. We, that doesn't happen again hopefully next year i'll again. catch it there oh no <laughs> even now <laughs> another two man we're hiring somebody at that point. <laughs> uh no that's good that's good um how about you g you want to shout out anyone yeah i do i want to shout out our patrons again thank you so much for doing what you do and we appreciate everything that you do for us and you know it's awesome and i want to mention our affiliates one more time frontline gaming goblins hut squad tenant checkout and our uh game envy for helping us out at this event you know these these guys also make it happen they make it possible um and their stuff's going to be in the notes. So if you want to check them out, feel free to do so. And if you want to find me on the internet, I'm on Instagram at Wargaming Studios, Wargaming underscore studios. Right now I'm finishing the rest of my Casterkin. I decided that's what I'm just going to go with because uh, I need to decide and pick a thing to finish. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, I'm me. excited to see how those guys turn out. They're looking great, G. They're looking great. I might redo the basing because I did one with basing right now and I don't know if I love it, but we'll see. All right. Well, send me pics. I will. All right, guys. Until next time. Until Until next time. time. (laughs) See ya. Peace. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad dash games.